listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March 3rd, 2023 Friday reading of the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles, New Colorado License Plate Designs Selected, written by Jan Wundra. Chafee County Combined Agency Tactical Team at Heart of Excessive Force Lawsuit, written by Stephen Hall. Bennett reflects on the success of the expanded child tax credit and calls for its revival, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. And Colorado Central Telecom announces new name, new logo, and new headquarters, also written by Arc Valley Voice staff. BV trustees approve GOCO grant application plan for Billy Cordova Memorial Park and Trail, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. And HRRMC board reviews quality improvement plan, project cost overruns, written by Daniel Smith, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, New Colorado License Plate Designs Selected, this posted by Jan Wundra. Two more license plate designs announced as state's 150th anniversary license plates. Beginning this fall, Coloradoans will have two more license plate designs from which to choose, courtesy of the state's youth. This week, Governor Jared Polis and the Division of Motor Vehicles, DMV, announced the historic Colorado contest winners, revealing the state's 150th anniversary license plates during a ceremony at the governor's office in the state capitol. The new license plate designs will be available in August 2023 in time for the celebration of Colorado's 150th anniversary. The historic Colorado contest is a low-cost effort to honor Colorado's history and begin to celebrate the state's 150th anniversary with a commemorative license plate. Colorado's awe-inspiring beauty was well reflected in the hundreds of great designs submitted by talented Colorado artists as we celebrate 150 years of Colorado history, said Polis. I am proud to congratulate the winners whose beautiful license plates will be on vehicles across the state starting this August. More than 34,000 Coloradans voted in the statewide design contest to determine the winners. Coloradans will be able to purchase both historic Colorado license plates online at mydmv.colorado.gov, at local county motor vehicle offices, and at MV Express kiosks for Coloradans who live in participating counties. I am so proud of the effort Coloradans and our team put into the upcoming 150th anniversary license plates. They did a great job, said Mark Ferrandino, executive director of the Colorado Department of Revenue. It speaks to the pride we all have in calling Colorado home, and I hope the contest sparked interest in our shared history, especially for the younger Coloradans who participated in the contest. 
13 plus division winning design and artist. Evan Greisheimer of Denver won the 13 plus division of the historic Colorado contest with 15,697 votes or 46.13% of the total. This license plate design will be available for purchase from August 1st, 2023 to August 1st, 2027. It feels great to win the contest. It means a lot to me to have one of my designs in a public setting where many will be able to see it, Greisheimer said. My friends, family, and I are all very excited to be able to have a plate of our own with my design on it. One of my friends even joked about getting me to sign it. Greisheimer said the inspiration for his design came from the simplicity and colors of the Colorado State flag, the Rocky Mountains, and mining. U13 Division Winning Design and Artist Callista Blaschke of Denver won the U13 Division of the Historic Colorado Contest with 21,633 votes, or 63.58% of the total. This license plate design will be available for purchase from August 1st, 2023 to August 1st, 2027. Blaschke said winning the U13 division and helping contribute to the rich history of Colorado is a great honor. It feels amazing to win the contest, Blaschke said. It's a big accomplishment, and I can't believe my first ever entry into a contest like this ended up winning. Blaschke's mother, Andrea Blaschke, said that she is incredibly proud of her talented daughter. Callie worked incredibly hard on this design, and her artistic talent continues to impress us, Andrea said. The day the voting ended, Callie was asking me every five minutes to check my email for the results. When she found out she won, she was beyond excited, somewhat relieved the wait was over, and couldn't stop smiling. Blaschke said the inspiration for her design included Pikes Peak, Fortune Hunters, the State Bird, Lark Bunting, and the State Tree, Blue Spruce. The historic Colorado contest launched September 19, 2022, with the goal of helping Coloradans honor and make history through license plate design. There were more than 300 entries from 216 entrants. Of the 216 entrants, 133 were 13 years old or older, and these contestants submitted 215 license plate designs. The other 82 were younger than 13, and these Coloradans entered 97 submissions. Three finalists per division were selected by a committee that included motor vehicle administrators, artists, and Governor Polis, with a final public vote on the top three designs. In addition to the two $1,000 grants, winners will get bragging rights, will be featured in all of the governor's offices and DMV's relevant media releases, as well as a commemorative license plate. Coloradans can visit dmv.colorado.gov slash historic Colorado for more information. The 150th anniversary license plate is expected to launch in the fall. That story, New Colorado License Plate Designs, selected, that posted by Jan Wundra. 
And next in the news, Chafee County Combined Agency Tactical Team at heart of excessive force lawsuit. This posted by Stephen Hall. In a news story first reported late Monday, February 27th by the Denver Post, a Chafee County man filed an excessive force lawsuit against all three Chafee County law enforcement agencies, along with 13 officers employed by those agencies. The lawsuit stems from a September 8, 2022 incident where the Chafee County Combined Agency Tactical Team, commonly known in most police departments as a Special Weapons and Tactics SWAT team, executed what they refer to as a high-risk traffic stop on county resident Ellis Athenis's vehicle. The court has sealed the documents surrounding this case, and no reason has been given. According to the United States Tactical Officers Association, a SWAT team is defined as, quote, a designated law enforcement team whose members are recruited, selected, trained, equipped, and assigned to resolve critical incidents involving a threat to public safety, which would otherwise exceed the capabilities of traditional law enforcement first responders and or investigative units, close quote. Officers must pass and maintain additional rigorous training standards in order to be a member of the SWAT team. It is unknown the specific additional training standards the Chafee County Combined Tactical Team requires. The Chafee County Combined Agency Tactical Team is made up of officers from all three local agencies, Buena Vista Police Department, Salida Police Department, and Chafee County Sheriff's Office. According to Athanas' attorney, Kevin Mayer, the misdemeanor warrant he was arrested for did not justify the high-risk stop and their use of SWAT-style tactics. High-risk traffic stops usually include multiple officers and a tactical deployment and or approach to the vehicle. Also known as felony stops, these kinds of traffic stops are used when the officers have reason to believe the suspect has committed a dangerous felony or is otherwise an active threat to them or the public. The stop took place near Buena Vista after the tactical team had surveilled Athenas for a time while he went to the gym. The misdemeanor arrest warrant was issued one day after Athenas was charged with child abuse and menacing. As the Denver Post pointed out, it is a fact that Athenas has a very limited criminal history, one prior conviction for marijuana possession, and false reporting. There is nothing in his record that would appear to warrant a high-risk felony stop action. As seen in the body camera footage of the incident, while approaching the vehicle, a tactical team member deployed a flashbang grenade. By definition, a flashbang, also known as a stun grenade, is designed to temporarily disorient the senses of the target person without killing anyone. It does so by creating a very bright light, the flash, and a very loud noise, the bang. Like most less-than-lethal devices used by law enforcement and the military, there are dozens of sizes and types of flashbang grenades. 
It is difficult to determine which kind was used in the video. However, in general, there are strict deployment measures by which law enforcement is instructed to use these grenades. According to a Flashbang 101 post on Police One, an online police policy and best practices database, and a police blog, there is a potential for death or serious physical injury if there is civilian contact during ignition of a flashbang device. More importantly, in a tactical situation, such as the incident involving Athenus, the Police One Post cites that deployment of a flashbang should be at least a five-foot distance from a suspect when deployed. In 2011, a North Carolina police officer and veteran SWAT officer was killed from injuries related to a flashbang detonating inside his vehicle. The body camera footage above clearly shows the flashbang exploding inches from the driver's window of Athenus's vehicle. There were other unidentified people in the car. Athenus later became nauseous, developed a severe headache, and collapsed on the way to jail. He was diagnosed with a concussion, according to the Denver Post article. Attorney Mayer described what happened to his client as an alarming display of the militarization of the police in our country and a concerning lack of training on both dangerous weapon use by the police as well as the constitutional rights of the citizens they encounter. As late as 2018, the Chafee County Combined Tactical Team had a civilian as an active team member who participated in tactical team deployments. While this is not unheard of, it does create numerous liability challenges, especially when force is used. It is unclear whether the civilian was present during this incident or is still actively involved in tactical team deployments. This incident comes on the heels of the recent apparent overreach of the Sheriff's Department with the sudden closure of the early childhood program at the schoolhouse. While not on the same scale, it suggests that law enforcement does what it is trained to do, show strength first. Arc Valley Voice has tracked a troubling pattern of incidents concerning local police over the past few years. It includes the case of another young man whose nose was broken and left untreated for several days by police during an overwhelming response by several local agencies. Yet all reports from the incident fail to show why or how he had sustained those injuries. Another incident revealed a sheriff's deputy at the local gun range with self-described right-wing militia members. Still another case documented the membership of 17 local law enforcement officers in a Facebook group encouraging violence against minorities as well as Black Lives Matter protesters. That story, Chafee County Combined Agency Tactical Team at Heart of Excessive Force Lawsuit. Next in the news, Bennett reflects on the success of the expanded child tax credit and calls for its revival, this posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. In a month that has seen the end of the federal benefit extension of SNAP benefits, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, back to pre-pandemic levels, Colorado's U.S. Senator Michael Bennett is reminding the public of the success of the expanded child tax credit, CTC, that he championed. 
His message: He is pushing for Congress to revive the program to help working families. In a discussion at the Brookings Forum on Reducing Child Poverty, hosted by the Hamilton Project, and speaking with PBS NewsHour anchor Amna Nawaz, Bennett talked about the success of the expanded child tax credit. Sounding a familiar message, he called on the U.S. Congress to revive it. Bennett was a lead proponent of the American Family Act, securing an expanded monthly child tax credit in the American Rescue Plan, which benefited 61 million children in America, including 19 million who were previously excluded from the full tax credit. The documented result: the child tax credit cut childhood poverty nearly in half and reduced hunger by a quarter among families with kids. It's clear to me that the evidence that we've seen for the credit that we actually put in place in the American Rescue Plan during COVID, the evidence is at a minimum that it is not disincentivizing people from working," said Bennett. Yesterday, the Dallas Fed came out with a report saying that women that were living in households where there was one unemployed person actually saw an increase in work, which matches my anecdotal impression of what people in Colorado were doing, which was buying a little bit of extra childcare so they could stay at work to to take care of their kids. He added. What we've seen from the studies of the United States' experience with the child tax credit is a similar thing that we've seen in other countries that have similar forms of a child credit," explained Bennett, which is not surprisingly, parents spend the money on their kids. I heard parents who were spending money on childcare, as I mentioned earlier, spending money on rent, spending money on school clothes. I had moms who said, "This is the first time that I've been able to buy school clothes for my kids without not having to forego the rent." He recalled. I remember one family in Colorado Springs, in particular, who said she had been able to buy her kid a bike, and with that bicycle, that kid was able to attend after-school activities that they would never have been able to attend because otherwise she would have been at work with the car, and there was no way to get the kid there. You can't calculate what the value of that is. If you talk to moms in particular that benefited from this and whose kids benefited from this, the one thing they say in common is you cannot imagine the stress that was relieved from my family not having to deal with this stuff at the end of the month. He recalled. That goes back again to Roger Altman's point that it is not enough for us to be building an economy where the economy grows. We need an economy where people feel like they can move their families ahead. And my view is, in the meantime, we desperately need tax policies like the child tax credit to bridge us into that future economy. Bennett said that reauthorizing the child tax credit could have bipartisan support. I think there is a bipartisan consensus in America, or at least among members of the Congress, that a lot of the Washington consensus over the last forty or fifty years about our economic role in the world is flawed and failed and isn't going to support us. He explained, and that we've got to have a set of policies which you're now seeing around infrastructure. Around bringing back the semiconductor industry from Southeast Asia, around things like the Inflation Reduction Act, 
that gives me hope that the broader context is one where we're saying it's not just about growth. It's about whether the growth is creating a situation where people can actually support their families. In that context, we can have a discussion with Republicans and Democrats working together that says, "What is the most elegant solution to the issue that we're facing in the short term?" And the answer to that is the child tax credit. My job is to make sure that as many of the 19 million children that are being left out of that full benefit are going to receive as much of that benefit as we possibly can do, and I have a very open mind about how we get there," said Bennett. As Coloradans continue to face high costs, Bennett says he's continuing the fighting to extend the enhanced CTC. Late last year, he successfully rallied his colleagues to not support corporate tax breaks without passing an expanded CTC. That story Bennett reflects on the success of the expanded child tax credit and calls for its revival. And next up in the news, Colorado Central Telecom announces new name, new logo, and new headquarters. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. Central Colorado Telecom is now Aristata Communications. The broadband company that has been known as Colorado Central Telecom (CCT) has a new identity, and with it, a new name. As its president Carlin Walsh reaffirms the company's commitment to the region. In an announcement made on Thursday, March 1st, Walsh and executives of the Chaffey County Economic Development Corporation unveiled the new name, Aristata Communications, a new logo, a new website, and a renewed commitment to Central Colorado focused on fast rural internet. We're focused on growing our fiber to the home, the last mile fiber to the home (FTTH), explained Walsh. Fiber is expensive and hard to hang, but we have this opportunity to get funding for this region to get fiber to the home. That is the mandate of this acquisition. Walsh noted that grant funding available for rural broadband from the infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act is significant. The state is going to get upwards of 800 billion dollars, much of it earmarked for rural broadband. The mandate is to make sure this region gets that money we need. Walsh says that community comes first. He is a fifth-generation Coloradan from rural northeastern Colorado, a longtime Chaffey County resident, and a business owner. When he talks community, he means it. We are here to fund truly rural communities," he added, referencing the purpose of the purchase of Colorado Central Telecom he led back in July 2022. The mandate is not just to buy this company; the mandate is to use this grant funding for what it is intended for—to connect the communities we're here to serve. Those of us who have spent years waiting for fast rural internet outside the region's municipalities know that this is a hurdle that many companies try to overcome, but not many achieve. Given the importance of the company's services to this area, odds are that a good many residents of this region are going to wish them well. 
Along with the new name and brand, Aristata Communications has a new headquarters. It is now located at 150 Pallone Parkway in Poncha Springs, the former Western Archery Building. Walsh, who is also the CEO of Elevation Brewing, based around the corner on County Road 120, says the new location is not about him. We've got tech crews in Westcliff, so this is more centrally located, yes. But frankly, Poncha Springs has been great to work with. The regional importance of the announcement event was underscored by the presence of the Chafee Board of County Commissioners Chair Keith Baker, Town of Poncha Springs Mayor Ben Skanga, and Town of Buena Vista Mayor Libby Fay. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.